Welcome to the Automotive Leaders Podcast, where we help you prepare for the future by sharing stories, insights, and skills from leading voices in the automotive world with a mission to transform this industry together. I'm your host, Jan Griffiths, that passionate, rebellious farmer's daughter from Wales with over 35 years of experience in our beloved auto industry and a commitment to empowering fellow leaders to be their best authentic selves. Stay true to yourself. Be you and lead with gravitas, the hallmark of authentic leadership. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Finding Gravitas podcast. In this episode, we're going to go on a journey. Yes, we are. And it's a journey that you'll be familiar with. It's a journey that I started in episode 73, talking about strategic planning meetings. As a quick recap, when we think of strategic planning, our mind typically conjures up images of dull conference rooms and PowerPoint presentations loaded with meaningless corporate phrases and lots of politics and gamesmanship. And it really doesn't have to be that awful. Sometimes you come away with strategic goals, but they're kind of broad-based and in corporate speak and often hard to understand. And it's supposed to be a strategy meeting. You're supposed to be outside of the day-to-day thinking onward and upward. You're thinking about where to take the company next. It's supposed to be exciting. So I shared in that episode a few tips of how to get better strategic planning meetings. Because Let's not forget, particularly in the automotive industry, we're going through a period of massive transformation and we are never going to meet the lofty goals of moving towards a more electric and autonomous vehicle future if we keep running strategy meetings the same way that we've always done and we keep following the same processes using the same leadership style that we've always done. No, It is time to step up and change this process and imagine what it could look like in an authentic leadership culture. In episode 73, I gave you some tips on how to do that. Go off-site, imagine the future, think a bold, big vision, moonshot ideas, develop a solid why. Remember, you have to rally a whole team of people around these strategic objectives. And if you don't have a good why and you can't connect people on a human-to-human level, then it's not going to work. Tip number four was visualize. Visualize what does the top of the mountain look like and feel like. Number five, get really, really clear. Stay away from corporate speak. Be crystal clear on what these strategic objectives are and what they really mean. So those are the five tips of better strategic planning meetings. So great. So here you are, you leave the strategic planning meeting. You've got this great deck of PowerPoints. Maybe you followed all these five tips and you're ready to rally the troops, get everybody on board, right? Ah, so what are the next steps in the journey? You leave the conference room and then what? How, how on earth? Do you get a whole team of people excited about these objectives and hold them accountable? 
I've been there. Where you have this lovely strategic planning binder, maybe. Maybe it's online, I don't know. But sometimes it's actually a hard copy, a printed binder. And what do you do? You put it on the shelf, maybe in your office, maybe in your home office. And it stays there, doesn't it? And do you actually take any actions against those strategic objectives? Well, maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe you don't. But maybe that binder sits there. And just maybe you convince yourself that the firefighting and the issues of the day take precedence. And that's where you have to focus your attention. And you just don't have time for that strategic stuff. Can you relate to that? There's no judgment here. I've been there. I know exactly what that feels like. And then you get that meeting notice that says the next strategic planning meeting is about to be put on the schedule. And you see it and you frantically dust off that binder weeks before the meeting. Oh no, you've got to put together some action items. Really? Is this a way to run a business? Of course not. So what do we do? How do we make sure that that doesn't happen? And then how do we rally the troops around these objectives and how do we hold them accountable? You know, in past episodes, I don't like that word accountability because in my life, it's been associated with blame. When people say, I'm going to hold you accountable, it means you better do this because if you don't, you're going to suffer the consequences. And that's not what accountability is all about. So let's talk about some things that you can do after you leave that strategic planning meeting to make sure that the team is held accountable in a positive way. And it feels good. It feels powerful. It feels inspiring. It's motivational. It's exciting. A lot of that falls back on you, the leader of the team. Do you walk out of that strategic planning meeting excited? Do you have transparency in the organization so that you can start to cascade these plans and objectives down through your team and through the organization? I'm going to share with you five tips on exactly how to improve that accountability with your team and to make sure that these strategic plans stay alive. And the first one is actually the same as tip number five for better strategic planning meetings. But now you start to bring it down a level. So tip number five is definition and clarity. So you've got the strategic objectives. Let's say it's well-defined. It's not in corporate speak. People can relate to it. They can understand it. And now you have to break it down a level. There has to be specific goals and objectives and tasks, and the alignment has to be there. So that's step one, definition and clarity. You cannot hold people accountable to something that's vague, that people don't understand. So spending time making sure you have definition and clarity, every minute of that time is time well spent. And then tip number two is using positive language. You know, we all have a tendency as human beings to want to please each other. And if somebody doesn't do something by a certain date or by an agreed upon timeline, we say, oh, that's okay. You know, I'll work with you. We can make a change. It's all going to be okay. No. And I'm not suggesting 
You bring out a big stick and you start beating people with it and you bring out the command and control. No, far from it. You know I don't believe in command and control. But we have to hold people accountable. So we have to make sure that when people buy in to taking on a goal or an action item, that they are truly committed and that they use positive accountability language. So we can't say things like, oh, I'll try my best. Do you know, somebody told me many, many years ago, in fact, I will, I will tell you who it is. His name is Paul Tashinsky. And I had just moved into program management and I was tremendously excited because I'd moved out of purchasing into, at the time it was a manufacturing program management position. And it was for Allied Signal, which then became Bosch. And it was in the rear disc brake world, and it was uh, machining of anchor brackets. And Paul told me when I was running my program management meetings with the teams, he said, do you think it's okay that people say they're going to try their best? And I just looked at him and said, well, yeah, of course it is. And he said, let me tell you something, Jan. You can't ship effort. What? You can't ship effort. So when people say that to you, you have to remind them that that's nice, but you can't do anything with that. What does that mean? I'll try my best. Does that mean it's going to happen or not? When you're running a business or you're making a commitment and taking ownership, that kind of language just doesn't work. So you have to start to train the team, and it starts with you, on using positive accountability language. So you no longer can say things like, I'll try my best. Or, and here's another one, we hope to get that on time. Okay, there's another story coming up here. This is way early on in my career. I had just started at Borg Warner, Kenfig in South Wales in the transmission plant, and I was a materials expediter. And the plant manager, his name was Gary Toomey, and he looked at me and he said, when are we getting the main cases in, young lady? Because that's how you talk to people back in the day. <laughs> and I said, well, we hope to get them in by whatever the date was. And he looked at me and I can remember this like it was yesterday. And this has got to be 35, 30, maybe 40 years ago, a long time ago. And he looked at me and he said, hope is for church. This is a business we're running. Will the main cases be in on time or not? Whoa, another lesson learned from me. So again, it's the language that we use as leaders, but that we deem acceptable with our teams. Those kinds of statements are not acceptable. You can't do anything with it. You don't know if the, if somebody's going to own it and actually deliver on time or not. Positive accountability language sounds something like this. Yes, I understand the task. I will have it done by X date, September 1st. It will be done by 4 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Because remember, we're all in global companies these days, well, for the most part, but we're dealing with people from around the world. And you can't use, well, something that's my favorite, I use all the time, close of business. That's just a bad habit that I've picked up along the way that I have a hard time breaking. But I am working with a client right now, 
driving an accountability lab for their strategic objectives. So I have to catch myself to make sure that I set the example. And I don't say that. Close of business to me in the U.S. in Detroit is different to close of business in California, is different to close of business in Germany. You get the point. So be very careful about the language that you use, positive accountability language, that people can actually understand what it means and they commit. And the next tip is that commitment. It's ownership. Do people really own that action item or are they just sitting in the meeting nodding and saying, yeah, yeah, I'll take care of that. Uh Uh-huh. But yet they know that there's probably no follow-up. Maybe they're relying on you to follow up as the leader. Oh, that's a problem. So do they really own it? Do they feel the ownership? And you can tell that just by looking at somebody, just by looking at the body language, the way the eyes roll, uh, the eye contact that you have. You can tell if somebody feels ownership or not. And if if your gut tells you that somehow they don't feel that ownership or they're a little uncomfortable, you have to peel back that onion and understand why they do or do not understand and really feel the ownership for the task. And it's up to you as the leader to get people to feel inspired and excited about these strategic objectives so that people want to be a part of it. They want to own it. That's what leadership is all about. And it's not easy. We all know that. So driving ownership. And again, back to this point of, is it up to you as the leader to follow up? And the answer is, no, it isn't. If you've inspired a team of people, they clearly understand what they're responsible for. They feel ownership for the task. Then the task, it's going to happen. And then if it isn't going to happen, surely as responsible adults, they feel, because we know things happen, but do they feel that they can come back to the team and say, you know what, I've got a due date that's two weeks from now. Something happened. I don't know. Maybe the supply chain broke down. It was a logistics problem. There was a plant burned down. Who knows? But something catastrophic happened and they cannot make that date. They have to come back to the team, not to you, the leader, to the team to say that they are not able to do that, but they have a recovery plan. Once we start to allow people to come right up on the date and then miss the date. And then as a leader, again, as human beings, we try to be nice and we say, oh, that's okay. That'll be fine. Just Let's just do it a week from now. No, we can't do that. We have to all be either in on this idea of ownership and accountability or not. And I would recommend that you always talk to your team about this, exactly what I'm talking about right here, right now in this episode. How are we going to drive ownership in this team? How are we going to hold each other accountable? Then tip number four is fear and failure. Often we like to play it safe and we sandbag. And I've done it. Come on, we've all done it. Because we all want to look good. We all want to show that we're on target and we can accomplish our objectives. But when we do that, we sort of dumb it all down, right? So we're not going to be able to stretch ourselves and really reach for those moonshot ideas and really push ourselves and challenge ourselves if we always play it safe. But one of the reasons we play it safe is because of this fear of failure. So talk about that in your team. 
I really love to do this with program launch teams because there's an awful lot of fear of failure. And if they fail on a certain action or a certain task, there are immediate repercussions and consequences. But understanding what has happened in the past and why people fear failure is an important part of creating psychological safety on the team so that the team will feel comfortable in taking a more aggressive approach, maybe take a riskier approach and not fall into this trap of playing it safe so that everybody looks good, every action item is reported green and the PowerPoints look great and it's all dumbed down. That's not the way that we're going to transform this automotive industry. So talk about what could go wrong, what has gone wrong in the past with this particular project or objective that you're working on and talk about it. And what are you going to do? What are you going to put in place now to make sure that failure doesn't happen again? Creating a safe environment is something that Google talks about with Project Aristotle. And they determined that the number one Number one success factor for a high-performance team is psychological safety. And it's up to you as the leader to make sure the team feels safe in that environment. Then the last point is metrics and tracking. You have to agree as a team on the metrics and how you're going to track your progress. And I've recently been exposed to the OKR Objectives and Key Results System, which is very much a sort of California tech culture type management system. And I got to admit, I kind of love it. And I'm going to go deep, deep into OKRs. I'm already through one of the books. It's called Measure What Matters. And I will be doing an episode specifically related to OKRs. I've done, I've worked through every possible management tool and system for metrics and tracking of goals and objectives, and they've all got pros and cons to them, but I've never been able to find one that's simple, that doesn't require a lot of follow-up or a lot of really hard work of people inputting data into systems. And OKR really relies on simplicity and leadership, and really galvanizing the team around the goal. So more on that in a future episode. But the team has to agree on the metrics and tracking, and they have to agree on the cadence of follow-up meetings. And then if you have all of these things in place, the accountability will get better and better and better. And then you end up in a situation where you'll evolve into peer-to-peer accountability. So that you as the leader, you don't feel like you have to monitor and check and follow up on all these action items because then you're dangerously close to micromanagement and nobody wants that. So those are five tips on how to improve accountability with your team, which is the next logical step in the journey after you've defined your strategic objectives. If you want to go deeper into accountability, please check out my interview with Brian Moran. He is the author of the book, Uncommon Accountability. And after this episode, we're going to close season three and take a break. And we'll be back on September the 22nd. Now, there's a couple of reasons why we need to take a break. 
first and foremost is I need a break. <laughs> we all need a break. And the second is it's really important to stand back away from the business, which the business right now that we're talking about is the podcast, and look at what's working, what's not. What is the audience like? What are they not like? What resonates? What doesn't? And then we're going to come back on September the 22nd with a complete rebrand and a new name and a tremendous guest lineup. I'm already working on lining up the guests. So let me tell you a little bit about the rebrand. When I started, and this is me falling on the sword here, but I'm always telling people to be vulnerable and how important that is and to be authentic. So here it is. When I started the business, as most of you know, Gravitas Detroit, Gravitas is the hallmark of authentic leadership and Detroit is known for its hustle and bustle and muscle and hard work. Detroit isn't necessarily known for Gravitas. So I want to drive a different leadership model in the automotive industry. I want to drive it away from command and control into authentic leadership. And that's why I came up with the name Gravitas Detroit. And then when I decided to launch the podcast, I asked for all kinds of input on the podcast name and Finding Gravitas came up. And I thought, wow, that's great. You know, that's kind of a cute name. Okay, rule number one with podcasting, don't go for the cute name. And here's why. Nobody knows what it means. And I've had to do some soul searching myself in my business because when I started the business, I said, Oh, I want to help leaders everywhere in every business, which sounds great, right? Leadership is leadership. Uh-huh. People told me time and time again, go niche and go to where your knowledge and expertise is the strongest. Go to your background, you know, where you have credibility, where you have deep, deep, deep knowledge. And I resisted saying automotive. But you know what? I love this industry. My clients are automotive. I live in Detroit. Everything about me is automotive. So I have to give it up and say, I am all about automotive. My business is about automotive. I am on a mission to change the leadership model in automotive from command and control to a more authentic leadership model. And so we're going through a rebrand for the podcast. Now, podcast search engines, as you know, when you go into your podcast app, you can't put in finding gravitas and know that that's the automotive leadership podcast. It's not Google. It's not YouTube. You have to actually call the podcast. The name for the podcast has to be exactly what the podcast is all about. Otherwise, people won't be able to find it. They won't know what it is. So I'm going through some suggestions right now for the new podcast name. I'm 90% eh, there as to what I think it should be. But that will be out by September the 22nd. And I am very, very excited about it. And I hope you will stay with the podcast. You won't have any changes to your podcast feed. The RSS feed will be exactly the same. So if you're subscribed right now, nothing will need to change on, the, on uh, your end. It'll all be on the back end. It'll all be on me. So with that, I wish you a wonderful summer. Have a great time. Read the automotive leadership books that we've recommended for you along with the podcast interviews that go along with the authors of those books. I think you will find them insightful and it will inspire you. It will make you want to 
change the way you lead into a different, more transformational, inspirational type of authentic leadership. So stay strong, be true to yourself, be true to your teams, and be authentic and be you. And join me on the quest for Gravitas and season four. Thank you for listening to the Automotive Leaders Podcast. Click the listen link in the show notes to subscribe for free on your platform of choice. And don't forget to download the 21 Traits of Authentic Leadership PDF by clicking on the link below. And remember, stay true to yourself, be you, and lead with gravitas, the hallmark of authentic leadership.